वेलकम टू सिंटॉक Sin talkers around the table today discuss their friends and foes. We'll think about friendship and enmity using concepts from philosophy, political theory, history, and competitive sports. Does self-interest contaminate friendship? Are friends necessary and is it possible to have a meaningful life without friends? Is friendship a natural or a conventional category? What are the institutions that facilitate friendship or rivalry? Do sports simulate wars minus the shooting? Do both enmity and friendship cloud judgment? Is a highly utilitarian world likely where there are no friends or enemies? We are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers with us here today. Bishmaraj Bam who's a sports psychologist he's been experimenting with indian psychology that is yoga he lives in nashik professor rajiv bhargava who's a political theorist and is currently based in csds delhi he has also taught in jnu and delhi university and professor vinay lal who's a writer a cultural critic public commentator and a university professor is currently at UCLA So when maybe we set the ball rolling with you um would you attach the word genuine before friendship what is genuine friendship well i think if one took a conventional view of it a mm-hmm. genuine friendship would be one perhaps where there would be no element of self interest it would be like a, a gift that when you give a gift you give it without expecting anything in return if you expect something in return it's not really a gift Uh, similarly a genuine friendship at least viewed from that perspective is a friendship which is not contaminated by self interest it's not contaminated by utility mm-hmm. uh even by considerations of goodness perhaps one doesn't necessarily want goodness from a friendship although some people might say that that's perhaps critical to friendship but that it seems to me is what might be a genuine friendship um however i mean i myself what, am a little what, bit what would the grounds or basis of such a friendship be well i think that that actually changes over the course of one's life as well you see i think when one is young mm-hmm. one doesn't cultivate friends in the same way that one cultivates friends as one gets older and i think as one gets increasingly older <laughs> one is not only more picky about one's friends perhaps but one is one also finds it perhaps difficult to really uh make friends with others and sustain a friendship right even so maintain so, the ones you have typically. and even maintain the ones that one has right mm. so therefore uh the answer to that is that yes i mean i one would also have to look at what stage in one's life one is speaking about mm-hmm. uh, the notion of friendship because mm-hmm. i think it really does uh change considerably over a course of time and whether in fact it changes over uh, a course of uh one's lifetime in different ways in different cultures is yet another you know consideration i mean is this is this something that is really quite universal uh you know because for example if you look at something like let's say skill right now i think that there it would be difficult to argue that it's simply quote universal uh there is a very precise sense in which skill varies actually considerably even in the same thing from one culture to another mm-hmm. but i think that there seems to be a common sense view uh and one might 
have some degree of skepticism about this common sense view, and that common sense view is that friendship is actually quite universal. But but I I think that's something that would have to be interrogated. Yeah, yeah. And if and you know you spoke about early childhood or something to that yeah. effect. Does friendship just happen? Equate genuine friendship with absence or being not contaminated by self-interest. Clearly, you get something out of it. Maybe something as basic or simple as pleasure. But yes, but you see, uh, if, for example, if I'm let's say if I'm twenty and I'm reflecting back on the friends I had when I was four or five years old, or seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. uh, I I don't think that one at that point in time thinks that one actually chose these friends in right. the ways in which one would choose one's friends right. when one is uh, an adolescent, a young person, and right. then moving into adulthood. Right. Right? And, right. And that's the sense in which I mean that I think that over the course of time, uh, the conception of friendship might actually really uh, change, I think, considerably. And how would you contrast it uh, with enmity? Well, uh, I, I think that uh, one should be much more picky about one's enemies than about one's friends. In fact, you know, so so <laughs> by which I mean that I I think that you know you you need to be uh, 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 quite selective about uh, about the kind of enemies you want because the question here, if I may rephrase it in a different way, mm-hmm. is that I think one learns from one's enemies in some respects more than one learns from one's friends. Uh, at least from my standpoint. Uh, and so therefore, uh, if it seems to me that one should be quite picky about who one wants to uh, pick as an enemy, assuming one picks enemies, because sometimes, of course, you the strike up an enemy, the enemies happens. pick you, and, and then one often finds that friendships, that you fall out of a friendship for the slightest reason, and years later you reflect back on that and think, well, how silly was that? Right. You know, and then there might be the sense of nostalgia where you try to recover the friendship that you had. Right. Right. So one doesn't always pick one's uh, friends or enemies either. One falls into a certain set of relational patterns with people. Right. And, th- and those relational patterns might include enmity and friendship. Right, right, you know? right, right. right. How do you comment this, Rajiv? Is it possible for friends to turn in enemies? Surely it is. Um, but sometimes the best of friends are the well, harshest it, of enemies. It's, uh, it's always possible for friends to turn enemies. But uh, those enemies can return to a state of friendship as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my view is that with uh, friends, with some friends at least, people who you are deeply bonded with, your expectations from them are so high mm-hmm. in every respect that the slightest lapse on their part uh, it, it really bruises you. It hurts you much more. And, and, and therefore, you, you become very sensitive, very touchy, uh, and very often you tend to see, uh, you turn to turn, turn them into enemies. Now, I, I, having said that, I also realize that, I mean, if you, you, you can't really be a true friend of someone unless you are very tolerant of that right. person. Right. So there are lots of things in your friends you're prepared to uh, simply uh, excuse. You look the other way, which when you're not prepared to do that in the case of many others. So it's a, it's a very complex phenomena, friendship. Sure. I mean, uh, it takes a long time for some of your uh, closest friends to, to uh, I mean, to become enemies. But it's also true that uh, friends can turn foes in a matter of, literally in a matter of seconds. Lick of a switch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, is one friends for one's own sake or...? which is kind of making the point, the opposite of the point that when I started off with about self-interest or lack of it. Well, I mean, the, there is, it depends on how you define self-interest. I mean, if you have a very poor conception of self-interest, then self-interest must be completely out of friendship. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you, if you have a richer conception of what self-interest is, then we all know that uh, we are drawn to people we want to make them our friends 
only when we know that at some very deep level we're getting something out of them. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, most of my friends are actually philosophers. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't be friends with them unless there is this commonality or common interest. Right. And so, so uh, mutual, the mutual self-interest is something which is bound up with friendship. So, uh, so at one level, again, there is no straightforward answer here. At one level, yes, self-interest in one very narrow sense uh, can contaminate friendship. But on the other hand, uh, it's hard to conceive a really good friendship without an element of you know, some uh, idea that you are uh, enhancing yourself uh, it, through that friendship and, and, and you're, it make, it's making a qualitative difference to the kind of person you are in some ways. Right. And, and, it, so, and Yeah, sure. Yeah. And if we were to change context and maybe go to a more political, theoretic uh, kind, kind of world, does, does the word enemy and friend have a special resonance there? It's the... Well, I mean, the... Enmity, I mean, this goes all the way back to uh, uh, monotheistic traditions. Mm -hmm. uh, in those traditions, if you did not subscribe to your overall worldview, you were an enemy. Yeah. And uh, en enemy, enemy uh, in, a very, uh, uh, in a very deep sense. Uh, I mean, these are people you'd like either to convert to your own worldview, and if they did not get converted to your worldview, then they have to be excluded, they have to be expelled, they have to be exterminated. So, uh, so uh, those, I mean, this is, uh, this kind of uh, perspective uh, breeds exclusion. Uh, and, and so there is a very uh, stark difference between who your friends are, people who think exactly like you, and who your enemies are, people who refuse to think like you, right? So, uh, so yeah, friendship and enmity really go together here. You, there, are, there are some people who are your friends and there are others who are your enemies. Right, right. What about sports, Bam? Because there's something very unique there, right? Especially in competitive sports, you have the scenario of having a designated rival, somebody you play with, fight with, compete with. And especially in team sports, it's even more interesting because you have team members, colleagues, friends you play with. You see, uh, this is a basic urge to have friends, mm -hmm. to communicate, to have faith in somebody and uh, seek advice, give advice. So friendship is a basic requirement of human beings. And in competitive sports... The problem is they are competing with each other. So one will succeed and the other will fail. Yeah. So that is always at the back of mind. A little bit of a zero. And uh, she, the person has to be really large-hearted to make friends there. And once the friendship is struck, then they start functioning as partners very well. They start functioning in the team very well. And uh, the basic thing that is lost sight of is competition is never with enemies. It is either with siblings, with your colleagues, your friends. Even after the competition is over, you are supposed to go and shake hands with the opponent. Yeah. That is an acceptance. Because you are in the game which I am playing, both of us love this sport. So that is why we are together and that uh, fraternity feeling has to be developed. If it is not developed, it will be wanting in the personality of the player. And if it affects very badly. I have seen wherever we have been able to promote uh, uh, fraternity feeling amongst competitors, they have progressed very well. They have gone up to the world standard, Olympic uh, standard. But those who refuse to accept that uh, he can be a friend though he is my rival, uh, 
they stopped short of uh, their potential so it helps to be very open and you have a choice there in friends your uh, relations are thrust on you uh, you have no choice who is going to be your brother your sister your parents you you have no choice but friends you can choose and uh, if you select properly it's a great joy to have friends what are the facts so the so the best and the most successful teams or in competitive sports across the world today or in the past and have there been great friends within those teams or it's just possible to have a certain level of skill and just dominate irrespective of what the no what happens everybody is worried about level. his position in the is team is it necessary that's the question is it necessary for there to be great friendship or a feeling of camaraderie or the fraternity feeling as you refer to the feeling of camaraderie is a must and then you have to accept that uh, the person who excels consistently will be selected so it is for you to go on making that effort that you perform very well unless you allow your uh, skills to come out and flow well uh, you cannot perform and if you have these blockages that i don't like him i don't like him in cricket you have to keep changing partners all along in yeah. other games Yeah, because uh, you are opening with one person, if he gets out, another person sure. comes, and then uh, that partnership has to gel. Otherwise, you will get out. Uh, you will become run out. Yeah. So this is a skill which he has to develop, and it helps him in expressing his own skill as a batsman, as a bowler, as a fielder. So uh, this feeling of friendship it has to be cultivated. Ah. Uh, in the house a child is pampered like anything once he goes to outside world nobody pampers him nobody is bothered about him he has to win his place and there he has to have the skill of making friends he has to make his own group he has to find out his position in the group try and promote himself in the group also it is very essential for development and sports is actually it's a weaning process you know a child is converted into an individual personality independent personality and this happens very well only field of sports mm. because he can uh, he knows how to cope up with the adversities he knows how to adjust with everybody are 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 rivals necessary yes rivalry is necessary but uh, the rivalry if it gets I, I converted mean general, into enmity i mean enemies are enemies necessary like is it possible to be no if uh, a heavyweight champion in boxing without necessarily having really 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 strong feelings about the opponent you need to bash up no they show that they are having strong feelings they can be very good friends also my point is boxing is a game actually sports is a substitute for combat and uh, battles it's a substitute because the uh, elders and uh, thinkers and scholars and philosophers they thought that there'll be lot of uh, violence which should be avoided so that may have been one of the reasons why something like olympics came to be yes. in ancient greece yes yes and there used to be olympic truce for one month there would be no war amongst the greek kings <laughs> and it it was followed very seriously only once i am told it was bro- broken interesting otherwise for uh, 750 years it went on interesting the, the truce was not broken is our our enemies necessary avinay Well, uh, is it possible to live one's life without having enemies? Yeah. And you know, maybe we'll extend that later and ask whether. Well, I mean, I think one can answer that in many different ways. Uh, Rajiv had suggested uh, one way to look at that. So, for example, in the uh, in in the claim that he has advanced, which I would agree with, that if you look at the monotheistic religions, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 conception of the the enemy, um, one might want to call the other. Right, the person who's alien, right, uh, was very strong. Now I think there's an interesting problem there, and the problem there is that it's not clear to me that the monotheistic religions necessarily had a conception of friendship. In other words, that we assume 
that f- friends and enemies are just the opposite of each other. Which, but yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, there, there was a conception of the other. Whether that meant that there was a conception of friendship is, I think, in fact, a, a different question. That's a great point. Uh, and uh, so here, uh, uh, one other way to answer your question is that, uh, and, and this is a question that psychologists have dealt with for a very long period of time, uh, that is that you that uh, how do you develop a sense of the self? Right. Um, and one argument is that you need to develop a sense of the other as well. I'm not saying I necessarily subscribe to that view, but but this has long been an element in certain strands of uh, psychological thought. Right. So, um, but to speak once again directly to the question that you pose, you know, are uh, enemies uh, uh, necessary? Well, I, I think that here again, uh, we get rather different perspectives. I mean, let's let, let's let take somebody like, let's say, Mohandas Gandhi. Mm. Uh, well, I, I, I think that Gandhi would, in fact, actually very much question that, mm. right? Uh, it's not, I don't even see the word enemy anywhere in his vocabulary, you know, right? Uh, there is an opponent. Right. There is the person that you resist. There is the oppressor. But how, how is an opponent different from an enemy? How is an opponent different? Well, in many ways, it's because, because uh, mm. for example, enmity very often uh, also suggests strong feelings of hatred. Right. Very often it right. does. Right. Right? And, right. And thus the hatred and bitterness between friends who have suddenly turned into enemies in an instant. Right. Uh, I mean, Freud had a wonderful, uh, uh, you know, insight into this. I mm-hmm. mean, he uses a phrase mm-hmm. which occurs uh, in a range of his writings, but most prominently and most famously in in a book called Civilization and Its Discontents, mm-hmm. where he speaks about the narcissism of minor differences, you know, because he was trying to understand why is it that people who are the closest to each other Always, also harbor the greatest feelings of hatred for the for each other. Right? right, the Serbs and Croats, followers of English football clubs. You know the <laughs> animosity with which they look at each other is quite extraordinary. Right. But they partake of the same worldview at the same time. Right. Right. So this That's is what he was trying to understand. Yeah. Um, uh, and 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 uh, here again, I mean, there was an interesting suggestion uh, when Baum said that. Well, you you know, uh, there is a human need for friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if there is a human need for friendship, and if friendship and enmity are dialectically the opposite of each other, does it also follow that there is a need for enmity? Then, yeah. uh, now I think that that is something that most people would actually perhaps contest, you know, yeah. right? So here or I think the not, question was... If not was, enemies, then at least opponents. No, I think uh, I think it's very important, if I yeah. may come in please, here. Yeah. Please. I think it's very important to make a distinction between, and this has already been made between an enemy. Yeah. And uh, an enemy is not just somebody you hate, but there's an, as I said, there's an element of eliminating. Right. You know, uh, elimination expulsion, uh, exclusion, which comes with it. You don't want that, you wish that didn't person exist. around you. Yeah. Right? Now, as distinct from an enemy, you have either an opponent or an adversary with whom you don't need to have this fundamentally antagonistic relationship. It's, a, it's, it's more temporary, it's more ad hoc, it's more, it's more domain-specific. But right? wouldn't you say but that... But it, it's not yeah. generalized. Yeah. He doesn't pose you an existential threat. Yeah. Right? You you allow him to be. Uh, and and But you, in that sense, you can pick your, not an enemy, but your adversary. Yeah. You know, on, you the, wherever there are differences, uh, and wherever those differences get accentuated, some adversarial relationship will follow. Yeah, there will be a you know you will become an opponent. Uh, you will try and uh, 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 somehow uh, uh, defeat him uh, in 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 whatever it is that you are uh, you know whichever game you are involved in, uh, whether it's sport or or not. But you don't have to wish him ill. Uh, comprehensively. Right, mm. and 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 mm. with an enemy, you do tend to do that. Mm. Uh, 
so that that's that's uh, so i think there is a need for an opponent in all of us it's a, the need for an opponent uh, not it's just for self realization for for various things i mean mm. it's just the the fact that we are so different from each other mm-hmm. makes uh, opposition uh, quite natural mm-hmm. uh, but i don't think we need enemies i'm 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 pretty much with, with the gandhian view that you don't need enemies you don't need enemies right uh, and and therefore uh, the idea uh, which is somehow which uh, people like jean asman who's one of the egyptologists uh, very famous egyptologists mm-hmm. uh, these uh, he he had talked about it and freud in fact you when i mentioned freud uh, freud uh, uh, in in his book uh, moses uh, and monotheism and monotheism he talks at great length about this i mean there, there, that's where this idea developed that uh, that uh, an allegiance to a worldview comes not only with uh some friendship with all those who are uh who also adhere to that worldview but it also comes with enemies to be fought uh and i think uh this is uh this is one of the biggest uh the most one of the most destructive uh uh ideas that has developed in and in 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 the history of humankind and it is not a it's not restricted only to monotheistic religions anymore sure it's something which has been very secularized sure. uh it's part of nationalisms right it's part of scientisms right it's part of uh, you know it was part of soviet communism yeah so it is it is something which is uh, it is is pervasive uh and and uh, i i i feel that it's uh, i mean the, the there is a gandhi talks about universal friendliness mm-hmm. you know there is a stance of friendliness that you can adopt to the entire world right uh, i think that is uh, fundamentally uh, opposed to a viewpoint where uh, you have to divide the world into friends and enemies let's talk about this uh, rajiv i mean is this a natural kind of category or a conventional one has there have there been a series of political acts or maneuvers in the past which has somehow led to this like several millennia ago is it likely that the concept of a enemy or an opponent just didn't exist in the manner in the sharp manner in which we think of it today no i think uh, look i mean if you're really looking at i don't know if you're looking at uh, ourselves as pure biological organisms mm-hmm. i think uh, even if we don't have a conception of enemy we had a conception of destroying other yeah because there's always been a conception of survival yeah. and this... survival is always meant i right. think the whole point about about gaining achieving uh, cultivating humanity which is where your point about an existential threat yeah uh, is kind of very 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 interesting. Yeah. So uh, the whole point about cultivating humanity is to actually somehow doing away with this distinction between you know in this radical separation between them and us. Mm. Mm. And I think that it is it is uh, so as as you achieve uh, uh, this humanity uh, you, you will not be able to you will re- get rid of the you may be able to get rid of the enemy but i don't think you can get rid of the idea of uh, an adversary uh, mm. and therefore conflict and rivalry and competition are something which are a part of the human condition but turning all of this into uh war and into uh you know seeing everything as ex- existential threat right. seeing the other's enemy that is something which uh is some, which is uh which is uh, which can which can be historicized uh, we can we can locate a point when when it all started and we can hopefully you know if we un yeah we're not yep. too unrealistic and too not too utopian yep. we can also think of somehow finding ways to end it and you know if you change a unit of analysis away from the individual to maybe something else is it possible for two countries to be friends with each other friends i mean i know these are like large entities with and they're not monolithic units um where of course it's possible for two individuals to be friends with each other but if we go from there and create blocks thereafter 
possible for two families to be friends with each other like friends maybe in the more or less the same sense possible for two well, I, I think here okay. where where yeah if i'm you know like, what i'm getting at so i think uh, we also began with uh, our discussion began uh, uh, with uh, with one particular you know one conception of friendship yes i think we should we should uh, have multiple ideas of friendship such as such as for example i mean i aristotle had these three types of friendship one which is based on pleasure one based on utility and one based on virtue virtue mm. within the indian context i mean people like bikku parekh have written on this uh you there are at least three different forms of friendship one mm-hmm. is maitri mm-hmm. which is more like an alliance so that must be which is utilitarian bound the bound bound by considerations of interest and utility right then there is hriday which is kind of a bond, bonding of hearts as it were right and then there is sakha 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 mm-hmm. uh which is more uh which is the deepest form of friendship yeah which involves not only an emotional commitment mm-hmm. but also some kind of a moral commitment mm-hmm. uh to each other's well-being Mm-hmm. and to 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 be part of a, a come together and to be part of a common project so i think uh, in the first sense i wouldn't call it the lowest sense but in the sense of maitri you certainly have friendship between countries yeah right i mean yep. these kind of uh, you uh, there are alliances these are alliances trade agreements uh, you know, these are in you know your friendships which are based on the special friendship between the us and britain that is yes, very often I talked mean, about would be especially favored <laughs> nation yeah would Most be and also nation. i mean the, these are very important because as uh, if one if for example in the cold war yeah. and perhaps even now if the soviet union attacked any of these countries the nato countries so uh, they would have had to bear the wrath of all everybody will have to come and defend whichever one country is attacked right yeah, yeah. so, so it's a which means that people are willing to lay down their lives for the sake of another country mm. Uh, mm. Uh, and so, so so there's a lot at stake here mm. so these treaties and alliances uh, are are you see them purely instrumentally but in fact they inv- they may end up involving a lot of sacrifice on the part of one nation for the sake of another nation Mm. So uh, yeah I think uh, this is this can happen with groups it can it certainly can happen with countries and nations mm-hmm. uh, there is an idea the idea is perfectly valid what is not possible is that other like you know I don't think maybe you know at some future point of time we can have even these other uh, higher kind of forms of friendship as it were when when groups will come together and 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 uh, uh, not only uh, Uh, uh have an emotional commitment to each other but also have a moral project together i mean i don't see any of that uh, uh in uh, in 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 evidence uh, but it may well be possible that uh, what happens at the individual level can be replicated at the national or the group level but I, but the first thing certainly yeah it is it is it is it is there Yeah, there may be a different way to frame uh, the this set of questions too. I mean, for example, so rather than asking whether one can think about friendship at the level of collectivities, sure. right? Uh, whether it be nations or you know communities of a different Because kind. Because somehow it's simpler to imagine animosity, rivalry, uh, right? Between, let's say. Yeah. No, but I was going to suggest that that mm-hmm. uh, that you know uh, one way to think about it is that look, there are institutions. Yeah. which are dedicated to things like learning there are de- institutions which are dedicated to skill promotion of skills yeah there are in- institutions in a manner of speaking dedicated to the idea of goodness yeah right uh but are there any institutions of friendship as such are there any scriptures of friendship as henry david thoreau would have asked in a wonderful essay he wrote mm. on friendship and and he was quite clear about it that that friendship does not really have so to speak an institutional basis you see what does of that this mean kind what it what it means is that in some ways it is it is a phenomenon that i think is quite unlike any other and this is why i think we go back again to a set of questions that we have been working with that if you look for let's say at the question of enmity 
uh, there are a number of terms that came up. And I think that the distinctions here are important. Adversary, opponent, enemy, foe. Yeah. They share, they, they, you know, they, they have a kind of a family resemblance, if I may use that phrase, yeah. Yeah. but they're quite distinct yeah. in various ways. Right? Yeah. Uh, now, I think similarly the question here would be that, and, and Rajiv was trying to point to this in a different way when he was saying that, well, look, you know, uh, one can have this kind of ideal conception of friendship and then say that, well, it's been contaminated by self-interest, but perhaps we need to have a whole register of meanings when we think about self-interest as well. There's a very narrow utilitarian concept of it, uh, and then there's some conception of it which is perhaps more lofty because uh, that lofty conception of, of uh, friendship would simply be that you be friends with people who... Uh, you think in a way improve you as well, right? Right, and that could be a, a lofty end. Yeah. And collectivities might think of it in the same way. Why is it only? Why is should it be only individuals who think that way, right? So I think that, for example, uh, when you know this example I was adverting to uh, of the special friendship between Britain and the U.S., it is very often touted. A part of the claim here is that that we improve each other. You see, it's not simply that we have a historical link, right. you know, with each other, but we improve each other in various ways. That's tacitly built into it, but that's the kind of thing that would have to be spelled out, yeah. you know, and one would have to do some interpretive work there. By the and, way, in uh, the European Union, yeah. I mean, yes. one of the if, much if deep crisis at the moment, of course, but in the European Union, one of the ideas is that they are all involved in a common moral project. Which is liberal, bound by some kind of virtue, maybe. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's not just an alliance between. And they have fought two world wars among of themselves. Of course, but that's yeah. of course they fought two world they wars. They were enemies. Now they were enemies, but yeah. uh, they have tried to transform themselves. And I mean, how, to what extent they'll succeed? That's hope, right. Hope they yeah. succeed, but I mean. That's all the more reason why they try to insist that there is this kind of common project. You know, One yeah, of the main this, reasons right. for this European. Union was to prevent uh, a future war between, say, France and Germany and other European nations. And, uh, you know, to some extent, all of these guys have succeeded in that. So in a sense, a history of intense rivalry or enmity is, is some kind of a ground for seeking friendship. Or at least it creates something like that. So can ha never if be there hadn't been the bitter wars in the context of Europe... Yeah. Uh, is it likely that a project like EU would have come to be? I mean, I, I know we're asking a question which is variously contingent. Uh, but you know what I mean. I mean, there is... Yes, well, you know, uh, uh, a good illustration of that is what is called interfaith dialogues, by the mm. way. Right? It's, it's precisely because, <laughs> of the, because of the animosity uh, that you find uh, uh, within the monotheistic faiths Right, the relationships between Jews, Christians, and Muslims over right. a period of time. Right. But if you look at interfaith dialogue, interfaith dialogue is essentially really, I mean, there is a pro forma way in which you try to bring in Buddhists and Hindus and Sikhs, but really, fundamentally, it is, <laughs> it is an enterprise involving these three religions, and mm. particularly Christians and Muslims, mm. right? Mm. Uh, and, and of course, the reason for that is precisely because of the long history of animosity in, in a particular way, right? right? I, I don't want to suggest that this is intrinsic to these religions, sure, but sure. I'm just saying in a particular, if one historicizes, you know, the Crusades, so forth and so on. Uh, so, so this is one way of answering that question that, you know, that when you have had a history of that, then perhaps there is a greater desire to try to seek some kind of friendship or reconciliation. You know? Right, right, yeah. right. And Bob, if we go to you, and you know, I mean, obviously, for example, ch changing tracks entirely, if you think of competitive sports, there are times when you're changing teams all the time when you go from playing for Maharashtra to playing for India, and your team member is suddenly your rival, and your rival is suddenly your team member, and you're changing tracks all the while. Is there a psychological problem there to deal with, or it's relatively straightforward and, and it happens? You know Actually, what I mean? Because your opponent could no, be... No, wherever there is a psychological problem mm. in merging with the team, mm. the fellow gets dropped out. Automatically, his performance is affected mm -hmm. and he gets dropped out. But they know how to... That rivalry is there only till the national championship is over. 
but from the rival states like Calcutta and Goa, right? Football, right? Uh, they gel together very well in the national team mm-hmm. because the selectors have to choose the best players in every state. So they have been rivals till then, and from the next tournament onwards, they are together. They can play. Mm. Mm. But mm. friendship has to be cultivated. It can't be taken for granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even it the effort. existing friendship, it has to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, there are so many changes taking place. The point that Vinay was making a while so ago, that as you get older, it gets difficult to maintain friends because it probably takes effort. The effort should be made. Mm-hmm. And it has to come from within that, uh, yes, I need him as a friend. And forgiving him and uh, going further is very important. Mm, mm, mm. Interesting. Is it, is it, and, and what about people who just can't make friends? Is it possible to just not have the ability of Yes, being I friends? think, uh, I mean, there, are, there is one normative ideal mm-hmm. uh, which makes friendship an obstacle and friends redundant. Right. Which is the, actually there are two. One is the ideal of, you know, uh, the great uh, uh, renouncers. Renouncers? Yes. I mean, they renounce to tradition. Friend, for them, uh, uh, friendship is, uh, an, you know, it's some, an, something which is... It's a form is, of attachment. It's a form of attachment that you have to get rid of. So did Buddha have friends? Well, I mean, the, the, I. It's hard to say. I wouldn't but, say so. No, hmm? no, I don't think so. I don't think the Buddha or Jesus or Muhammad had they friends. Muhammad had alliances. Christ, Jesus had you alliances. Had disciples, alliances. But you had dis- disciples, yes. But like, uh, for example, even friends? Ananda, the the uh, w- one of the Buddha's favorite disciples, the one to whom he gives the, his last instruction, you know, be a lamp unto yourself. It's difficult to think of the relationship. Right. Between them, given the text that we have, yeah. as a relationship of friendship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Rama and Krishna had friends. Yeah, Ram and Krishna had friends. I mean, they Krishna, Sudama, Ram, Sugriv. Yes. So they're, they're friendships. Anuman, but, but those are, these are people who are this world. These are these world, this worldly creatures. Right? I mean, they are, they're not, renun- they're not part of the renunciatory tradition. That's interesting. So they could easily have friends, I mean, so, but it, we are talking about, uh, and I'm, I'm, and that's why Muhammad probably is not a good example to fit in here. Mm. I don't know whether he had friends or not, mm. but uh, as far as Jesus and the Buddha are concerned, and for that matter, Mahavira, I mean, they were, they, they, they all the or some of the Stoics, and I surely think, they didn't have enemies either. Corresponding, no, they, they have to rise above friends and enemies, right? And Gandhi's aspiration was pretty much like that. Right. You know, this you can either call it universal friendliness, right. which is to say you have no specific friend. Right. But to a friendship is always specific. No, are, friends you know, are made, enemies are thrust on you. That's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> a very important point. Because uh, why did Godse go and kill Mahatma Gandhi? Well, right. He never, he, he had blessed sure. him. Sure, sure, sure. So and you were, you were making the second point. The second, of course, is an ideal world of instrumental relationships. Yeah. An ideal world of uh, pure objectification. Where everything can be transactional. Where everything is transactional. Everything is based on pure calculation. Yeah. Uh, would make friendship redundant. Why should you want to be friends? You're getting everything by paying something to somebody. You know, every, every single need of yours can be fulfilled by some kind of a transaction. Now, uh, of course, that's, it's, it's, it's a world uh, which is uh, impossible to realize. So, I, uh, so it's only a limit case. But, but nonetheless, there are some people... You think it's impossible to realize? I think it is impossible to realize for all kinds of reasons. Yeah, Including I mean, things that may be deeply intrinsic to human nature? It is deeply... I think it has to do with, uh, with the, the deep sociability that we are really because born with. It's something to do with our 
genes, you might say. And th- th- kind of links to a point you were making earlier, Vinay, and you touched upon it very briefly about whether there's a cultural side to this. Is it possible for some cultures to be more friendly or at least have the disposition to be more friendly with each other or with uh, is 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 it is it likely that some cultures have, have you, yeah I, find I mean, it I easier think, to be friends in in yeah. some other cultures it's just it, that category exists in a much more mild way or it doesn't exist at all part of the difficulty here is that there is you know there's such a, a large body of what people call common sense yeah uh, and there's <laughs> such a large body of uh, uh, anecdotal experiences yeah. that people derive their impressions from, right? So, for example, in ordinary conversation, I hear it all the time living in the U.S. that, ah, people from the Midwest are much more friendly than New Yorkers. I mean, this is almost a given, for example, right? So, which suggests that, well, that people growing up in a certain kind of culture, assuming that the culture of New York is vastly different than, or substantially different in any case, than the culture of the American Midwest. Uh, uh, you know, and one might question that because either of those would be very different than the culture of Somalia or Sudan right. or whatever the case may be. Right. 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 Uh, as you, and, and here I'm just simplifying because, of course, there may be multiple cultures uh, in each of these places as well. So uh, uh, part of the difficulty here is that there is a kind of a uh, anecdotal literature uh, that one very often draws upon mm-hmm. uh, for this kind of thing. Uh, and here one might have to actually go to uh, various kinds of national literatures uh, to try to see. Uh, how right. they draw upon certain notions of friendship. That would be you know, like the Pacha Tantra, yes. for example. Let's take a, something like that. Mm. I find it interesting that that one of the, if I may use this word uh, with, uh, uh, you know, s- simply as a shorthand right now, without trying to get into the specifics of it, mm-hmm. that is the word secular. Mm-hmm. That that I find it interesting that one of the most resolutely secular texts from uh, from uh, antiquity in India. Uh, is a text like the Panchatantra, of which the bulk of it is devoted to the question of friends and gaining friends, keeping friends, losing friends, right? Now, it is interesting that there is that literature. Why is there that kind of literature? That's interesting. Uh, is Is this something which is partly, if I may put it this way, a kind of a rejoinder to the much more explicitly kind of uh, 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 literature that was, uh, you know, geared towards the whole idea of of emancipation, liberation, intellectual liberation, or some kind of liberation, right? Uh, so th- this is what I mean when I say that they, one would have to then address, I think, the specificities mm. uh, of of uh, particular cultures to try to understand uh, why certain uh, kinds of ideas, uh, uh, such as ideas about friendship, emerged in that particular culture. You know, mm. yeah. Mm. Mm. What about the ego? What about? I mean, are are the amateur and professional sports different in just the manner in which these dynamics play out? In just the manner in which yeah, friendship. They, is, you know what I mean, and you know the sense in which I mean. It is quite different. You see, amateurs they have to do something else for their living. And the professionals live on the earnings of the sports. Yeah, so does it change? Now, now cricketers have become professional. They just play cricket for the earning. Yeah. But the other shooters and uh, archers and all, they have, they have to work as uh, something else. Right. And then uh, <laughs> practice their skill. So they have to take out time for their earning. Sure. What does that result in? Uh, that affects their performance, no. No, that's fine. Mm. I, so we're we're staying on this question of enmity and friendship and the nation nature of rivalry and the nature of friendship that one ends up evolving. So if I were to be an amateur sports person versus a professional sports person, and the way I look at my opponent, sure, you see, maybe it in is most for cases the professional sports person to adopt amateurs and promote them, so that the professional sport will continue. You understand. They are not interested in promoting the sport. They are interested in uh, promoting themselves. That is not professional approach. Their skills and sports are equally important as they are earning. So, so those who tracks. do this, hmm. uh, they really contribute to the game. And that is how cricket has developed here very well. Hmm. 
अगर दिस पीपल नाउ द्रविड कुंबले एंड इवन गांगुली एंड अदर्स दे हैव डन अ लॉट टू प्रमोट द गेम द न्यू बॉयज दे हैव लर्न देयर स्किल्स फ्रॉम देम सो इट इज वेरी गुड दे वर नॉट ऑफिशियल कोचेस बट द टिप्स व्हिच दे गिव दे वर्कड वेरी वेल श्योर लेट्स टॉक अबाउट सीनीना विलियम्स एंड वीनस विलियम्स इज देयर समथिंग इंटरेस्टिंग इन द नेचर ऑफ देयर राइवलरी इन in tennis serena and venus williams i mean they are they are their sisters uh you know I mean, they do, are do, do you think it feeds into their performance are they better players because they are each other's sisters no it's not like that hmm. you see they they have developed into different personalities they came into the game as sisters hmm. and they felt very bad playing each other and eliminating uh, one right so that time they felt it very bad later on they realized that this has to happen sometime or the other so they are very good professional players both mm. serena and uh, venus i'm mm. actually can i just Please. add i'm very intrigued by the way indian sportsmen particularly tennis players uh, express them express themselves you know when in 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 partnerships and when those partnerships break for example the spectacle that we saw when leander pays and mahesh bhupati broke their uh, doubles partnership mm-hmm. was something quite amazing i don't know what was i mean there was it was like a no, like a family very, very unfortunate for indian tennis no it may be at yeah, i tell you they 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 would have been an unbeatable pair i know but well, what is, is it what i feel why is it that they were not able to no but these are the individual personalities which clashed not players <laughs> they were personally they couldn't see eye to eye they they can't tolerate now if you can't tolerate the person playing next to you how how will you so play would you say that they were enemies now i mean they really friends no. becoming enemies no they became their own enemies this is this actually what happened but it happens in you see some things which they can't explain why he feels like this but it's an inward feeling which they developed it's very unfortunate what is rather more interesting in a way there's a uh, a question that is even prior to this which is that Uh, the indians who have done well in tennis frankly have all been part of doubles teams i mean mixed doubles you know men's doubles uh, right there have been a number of combinations over the last uh, uh, 10 15 years and that continues to be the case now in, in general the uh, if you look at public commentary and they'll say well it's very simple you know the indians uh, to play in singles you need the cliched phrase is you need the killer instinct and we simply don't have it right within us no, i think no i'm not saying that this is my view i'm saying that this is a view that is widely prevalent sometimes explicitly stated sometimes it's tacitly observed i think what's interesting here is precisely the question about uh how is it that we think of a notion of a game right all right see because for example if you look at american sports in american sports the idea of a draw is intolerable intolerable yeah. you know if you play professional basketball you have to keep on if if at the end of the game uh, you have a, you have a tie you have to go into overtime second overtime third overtime fourth overtime now cricket the idea of a draw was perfectly acceptable after 5 days and after 5 days <laughs> so there's something very different here right and there's a there's a philosopher who wrote an extraordinary book in my view um called finite and infinite games yeah, james cars where he really mm. speaks about uh, the book is not about games it's really about about how we take a conception of this life and if we view life as a finite game then we come up with certain kinds of readings if we think of life as a infinite game right. we come up with a very different set of readings you know right. and so i think that those might be some of the ways in which one could begin to address uh the, the the whole question when you begin to look at sports and rivalries so forth and so on and you know uh, but that I, is why the spectators have left test cricket and they have come to the format of t20 Sure. Where sure. result is available. Sure. Spectators sure. are interested in result. Sure. Um, Vinay, you spoke of the uh, question of the ins- of an institution. Is it possible to have institutions that 
facilitate embody nurture friendship uh, would yes. you say that sports very very loosely speaking is one such thing which in a way enacts dramatizes both rivalry and friendship yeah well i mean as 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 we all know there i mean there is a considerable strand of literature which has tried to argue such things as yeah. you know the solidarity that you yeah. know that sports creates you know the various kinds of bonding yeah. uh, there's by the way literature exactly to the contrary that you know that uh, <laughs> much of it excludes women for example and simply having women sports doesn't address that question you know when you have uh, a professional football game the culture of masculinity is really quite critical to it you see so yeah. simply having a women's league is not going to be the answer you know uh, to that and and there is also a literature which again actually stresses uh, the virulently nationalist aspects of much of competitive sports uh, particularly at the international level and i think that that's frankly a serious problem i think uh, so 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 i'm uh, much less uh, uh, i i'm quite skeptical about, uh, about the that, possibilities that of sports well, I, you know yeah no in sport the spectators strike friendship much better than the players themselves because players have go to go on competing with each other and it's very difficult to build up the friendship which is required so the spectators they may they become common fans of somebody and they will come together but players coming together i don't think in indian conditions it's not very sure. conducive sure. i think uh there is no institution possible uh, which can be sustained over a long period of time i mean that's the nature of an institution right which will uh, help nourish individual friendships yeah so i i i agree with thoro that uh, i mean fr- a friendship is an adventure uh, it has to have an element of unpredictability of spontaneity uh, you know uh, of making uh, interesting moves uh, as you as you grow together uh, uh, and so on and i don't think there is any stable institution which can help it but when it comes to groups mm-hmm. when it comes to politics mm-hmm. i would say that the best of our democratic institutions are there to develop civic friendship i mean even in the even parliamentary democracy is a way of nurturing of turning enemies into adversaries right right of, that's a good of, point of, of the whole of demo, the democratic structures institutions of democracy are dependent on the pacification of politics yeah and the pacification of politics is precisely the getting rid of the idea that everybody has to be enemies you know people have to be eliminated in order to get to power and that power is not something that can be shared democratic institutions are exact you know meant to be whether they are not in reality is a different issue opposite of what carl schmidt would say but they're meant to say. be uh yeah. uh a containing conflict preventing conflict from turning into wars trying to uh instill the idea that you can uh settle and resolve conflicts through negotiation through to dialogue through discussion sure. through deliberation sure, sure. which sure. of course is also one of the things that parliamentary democracy is supposed to be about yeah now that it's failing everywhere is <laughs> is a reason for us to to wonder, wonder, whether wonder why yeah. you know why this is not working and the fact is that much of the 20th century and a lot of what has happened in the 21st century is just you know horrendously violent yeah and mm. uh, democracy seems to be uh, pretty much marginalized mm. so one has to you know so but, but but i think the the underlying thrust of of democracy is to cultivate civic friendship sure 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 and like all other relations friendship requires wooing requires consistent wooing wooing aradan mm. unless that is done the friendship will not last even uh, husband and wife relations they after the marriage there is no effort for wooing so 
the relations don't, don't uh, what's the future what's the future what's the future of friendship what's the future of enmity very long run 200 years 500 years is it likely that we'll live in one of the worlds that you're kind of alluding to which is perfectly utilitarian well, I, um i'm i'm a little worried about i mean this way yeah, if I'm, friendship is there there is a chance of uh, the humanity sustaining till 500 years how do we know i'm worried about uh, the new robotic culture i mean uh, I, i'm worried uh, uh, i mean despite all the advantages that might accrue sure. from it sure. i'm worried that it's there's going to be a loss of friendship what's your prognosis when what's the future well uh, as a technical question i think rajiv was about to point to some which uh, is something that i'd been thinking about i mean let's take something like facebook right and uh, this idea of friends yeah, you know i think the one question here has to do with uh the capacity that we have for looking at each other in the face so to speak uh the capacity that we have for addressing each other right and i think that uh there seems to be in some ways a kind of a distancing now there have always been forms of distancing mm-hmm. if if you are sitting in a place and you're pressing a remote button and somebody is getting killed uh, 2000 miles away which is in effect what a drone attack is it's yeah. all done through computers yeah. that's a form of distancing yeah. all right it's uh, and what i'm suggesting is that even forms of technology that people very often argue are making us more intimate with each other right forms of digital technology you know, the kinds of social media that especially the younger engaged in these are in fact actually forms of distancing in many ways i would argue so in that sense uh, the outlook for me is at the moment pessimistic uh and pessimistic being that it's there's likely that there's a world without friends well i don't know about that because no, precisely I... because one cannot because this is not something that has a, a kind of a institutional basis or an institutional history right. so to speak right, right. uh that that there is always an element of spontaneity uh in in friendship you strike a friendship with somebody and there may be no rhyme or reason even why you do it for ex- very often uh and certainly just as uh gandhi had argued in 1922 and his uh, in the trial when he used this expression which i think is really um uh, very germane when he said that quote affection cannot be manufactured by law mm. right mm. uh you can't have the lo- the law mm. can say that you can't discriminate against another person but the law cannot, f- you cannot force legislate. you to love another person <laughs> you know and yeah. similarly the law cannot force you to be friends with another person but that doesn't mean that friendship will be precluded right yeah, uh, i would you put know. it slightly i mean i agree with what vinay is saying but yeah. i just say that i mean yeah. based the basic function of laws is to prevent evil to is prevent to- evil to prevent a uh, wrong doing grave wrong doing laws cannot promote the good mm. it's very difficult for laws to do but laws do create conditions where goodness can be nurtured mm. but uh, any other form of active uh, you know role for law uh, that's very difficult to envisage uh, the the uh, the other point that i wanted to make was that i'm worried not about uh, there will never be a, a world where there are no friends sure i, uh, I mean but i'm worried about the quality of friendship i mean the there is when you meet people face to face as when i was saying there are lots that we pick up which we cannot articulate and a lot that we pick, pick this is a multimedia encounter any uh, face multimedia multi sensory multimodal multimedia multi sensory multi whatever yeah, yeah. encounter and you know all our senses are are at work and we are picking up through our third eye and our sixth sense uh, what we are not able to pick up through even you know through one sense and you're not just being romantic here no i'm not being romantic i'm being 100% uh, uh, realist here and uh, I, i think that if you if you reduce uh, encounters to writing uh, or to only speaking or to only whatever you know one thing there is a lot that is lost sure 
and uh, in this this kind of mechanization and robotization and even the new media that is coming up i think uh, it is my fear is that that uh, for some people at least uh, those who are callous who are who are completely overwhelmed by these things uh, i think there will be a tremendous loss of not only uh, the quality of friendship but also a loss uh, in the quality of their selves but it's simpler to live without friends isn't it simpler more convenient it's I'm impossible not pleasurable it's impossible to live without people people and mm-hmm. i it's the 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 <laughs> i'm now i'm putting it in a ridiculously uh, you know uh, in 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 a in some kind of a cal through a, you know putting as a as a form of calculus but i would say that the that the the huge uh uh gain in human flourishing that is achieved through friendship is infinitely more than any kind of gain that we might have by just being alone without friends so so i think uh i'm 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 very committed to the idea of friendship it is a unique idea uh which only which human beings have although the panchatantra talks only about friendship among animals yeah. uh, it's a it's a wonderful idea terrific, and uh, terrific. and i think we should not we should not lose it uh, and the quality of friendship and friendship in all its forms is something that we have to nurture uh, and protect and a- anything that comes in the way of of uh, curtailing it uh, diminishing it uh, is something that we have to be very wary of and and try and prevent having said that though there will certainly be evenings when it will be much more pleasurable to sit by the sit by oneself with a glass of wine and a book <laughs> rather than be with one's best friend perhaps <laughs> i think that was a provocation on your part maybe no absolutely again solitude and friendship are not necessarily mutually exclusive i well, mean you, you cannot you just could, you can't spend your life only living with friends yeah Yeah, just as yeah. you cannot live your life only living with your spouses and your children an academic won't survive if you don't live the life of monks yes you yes, know yes. from time to time get yes. away from it all and just start doing things on our own i mean yeah, so that's not the implication yeah. but i was saying yeah perfect perfect thank you for making it that's a good note to end on and we look forward to having you soon again thank you thanks, thanks.